On this episode, we wait out there with Steve Poppin. Steve is an owner and guide at Trout It Out, as well as a youth pastor and gym teacher. We discuss inland and lake run trout in the Great Lakes tributaries and Finger Lakes located throughout western and central upstate New York, mentoring young folks on the river, and techniques for methodically covering water on a trout stream. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Okay, welcome Steve to the Wait Out There podcast. I appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for the privilege of being on with you. Yeah, uh, I knew that I had to have you um, when I started to see all these these brown trout. It's just, it's like a robot. It's like a <laughs> consistent, never-ending stream of like, it's just every day. I mean, you just knock them out every day. Yeah, I tell you, I'm uh, I'm thoroughly spoiled where I live. You know, we are set up. I get all the spoils of the Great Lakes fisheries, um, Great Lakes tributaries, which mean, you know, tasty lake run action. And that's all to the north of me. And uh, to my back, I have the Finger Lakes. So um, I sometimes have to do some driving, but um, everything's kind of within a couple hours. And uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm in the right spot. That's, that's yeah. the picture there. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. So, well, first, before we go, how did you get into fly fishing? Have you always been, or can you just give us a little bit about your background and how you, um, you know, the beginning of your journey in fly fishing? A lot of our guests are, are starting out or, or, or uh, people listening. So how did it, how did it all start for you? Yeah, you know, uh, fly fishing is actually relatively newer, maybe about five, six years along. Um, I definitely grew up fishing. You know, my father was a big sportsman and, and he would take me out. I was on the water every weekend and, uh, we'd be down, um, on Lake Ontario, Sodas Point there, um, you know, some of the areas outside of Rochester, New York. And, uh, so I grew up fishing. Um, I was always fascinated by stream fishing though, and certainly humbled by it. Um, when my son was first born, I remember taking him out and, um, it just seemed like every time I threw the line in the water, it was snag, snag, snag. Yeah. And, um, but you know, at this point I'm just, you know, conventional, um, using conventional gear and, uh, and, but, uh, this one day I saw a guy out there, um, just really crushing it. And, um, and I saw him working a fly rod and so kind of fast forwarding, I remember my wife bought me a, uh, she bought me you know, like a oversized Carhartt shirt. Right. And so I'm trying to get a little bit more stylish with my, with my, yeah, I think you're very stylish. Thanks man. I appreciate it. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can see your hats in the background. They're very yeah. nice. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, we went to go return it and this was at Dick's and, and so couldn't find anything that would actually fit. And, uh, so, I'm looking at the fishing gear and I said, I saw this entry level fly rod and I said, Hey, Jen, you know, can I, can I get that instead? She's like, yeah, do it. So 
I bought the fly rod and uh, didn't know how to even string it up. Didn't know any of it. Um, yeah. What is this? Yeah. I jumped on YouTube, tried to, try to figure YouTube. it out. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And um, so it was also kind of a window in my life where my son actually had just started a new school and, uh, and uh, we had some challenges with our boy. And so we were sending him to a, a private school and, um, and it required myself and a couple other families to carpool because it was, there was no busing and it was a good 45 minute commute each morning. Right. And uh, so um, my daughter's being homeschooled by my, by my wife. And um, so, yeah, I was kind of the one to, to do the commute. So, I don't have to report to my, you know, my nine to five day job till nine. And, uh, so what would happen is I had about a good hour and a half to kill. And so when I first started doing that, um, I just got to work early, but then you're just at work early, you know? Right. And, um, but I started to notice there was some streams on the way back. And, uh, so I just started hitting those streams before work and it was an hour, maybe, 45 minutes. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, you know, it was about two weeks before I landed my first trout, my little yeah. brown trout was probably about six inches Yes, on a I'm woolly butter, which was about six inches. Yeah. For people that can't see you, you're holding your hands up shoulder width apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very small. I'll, uh, I'll have to send you the pick actually. Of course yeah. I'll have it. That's okay. I've got a lot of those types of trout on my, uh, social media feeds. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be in a season in my life where I can almost get on the water every day. And then, you know, I started to go through also a season of my life where um, I was going through some real discouragement and uh, a lot of a lot of criticism and discouragement and um, and just kind of some hard events going on in my life. And the the stream um, I discovered was was just so therapeutic. It was uh, it was that place of solitude um, when you know between work and and kind of the demands and what I do, everything was. Uh, Know, so much required of me. I just, I needed to get away. Yeah. So having that little piece of time was more valuable than catching the fish. Sure. And, um, so I kind of pressed through that maybe three years. My son was done with school and I've never stopped that lifestyle. So I still That's do awesome. So three years, an hour and a half at a time every day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, still doing it. So I, uh, it's been, it's been a different summer this year, but, uh, but yeah, I, I typically get out uh, four to five times a week. That's great. And yeah. you guide now, is that right? Yep, yep. The guiding's uh, it's um, it's it's relatively new venture for me. Um, uh, I've been doing it for a while. So I'm a my my day job. I'm a youth pastor, and um, and I'm a teacher. I'm a gym teacher here in a in a small Christian school, and uh, so. I love mentorship. I, I love to come yeah. alongside young guys and, and just be that big brother to them. So I have always been taking kids out fishing, um, right. line, you know, and so that's, so got to a point where a lot of people just started encourage me say, you know, Steve, you, uh, you really should guide. And, uh, and, and, and I wrestled with that for a little while because again, that stream time, that solitude has become so guarded to me. You know, and, I've heard that from so many yeah, people. 
Yeah. I've heard that from so many people. I asked, you know, would you guide or, and they're like, I don't know. I don't want to ruin what this is. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a real, I, I toiled with it for a good year or so. And then, but then I realized, you know what? I don't have to do it every day. Right. You know? And, um, and you don't have to do it on other people's terms. It's your right. thing. Yeah. 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 And so that's what I've done. I'm, I'm part time and I just, I do, uh, you know, my scheduled day off is Thursdays and I do Saturdays and, Cool. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a great experience. I'm learning a lot through it. Yeah. I mean, you never, you never quit learning. It's one of the things that I, I love about fly fishing as a beginner or the most seasoned expert, really they're at the same place sort of because they're still learning, you know, yeah. and it's not quite as important what it is. It's just kind of the, the journey and it's, it's, you know, also how you talk about how it was therapeutic for you. I yeah. think it's very interesting, you know, I mean, it, it's so useful to so many people for so many different reasons, but it's that same feeling that you're describing of whatever it is that clicks in, in your brain. It's, it's, it is that thing, that feeling, you know, that yeah. we, that we go back to. So absolutely it's really great to hear you, you say that. And, uh, I'm happy for you, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Bro. Good. Appreciate it. Um, is there any significance to trout it out is, other than it's an awesome name or does it stand for anything <laughs> meaning there or uh, trout think, it out is the name of your, is that's the name of your company or your business or your, yeah. your fly fishing guide service? Yeah. Yeah. Technically there's a, a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, uh, him and I, we started the, the business together and um, yeah, it's just really, you know, kind of like that, that exclamation, you know, shout it out, it's just like trout it out. And uh um, that's it. Just that simple. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we hit, um, uh, my, my business partner, Stevie, he, uh, you know, he also works with youth and, um, and, you know, and does a lot of counseling and stuff. And so, right. you know, ex- discipleship and mentorship around activities is, yeah. is just fantastic. Yes. And we're going to talk some more about this later, but I think that it's, I think it's great too to talk to guides that part of the deal for them is the teaching, you know, mm-hmm. because so many people, you know, beginner, intermediate fly fishermen and women, they get into it and they want to get better. But unless somebody's there to mentor them, it becomes harder. You know, it's definitely doable. Just go out on your own and figure it out. Like you, like you did, like a lot of people do, yeah. but it's nice to go with somebody that has the experience, call them a guide and know I'm, they're going to teach me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to learn the knots. I'm going to learn the techniques. It's not just cast there, mend, set, mend, (laughs) mend, mend, set, you know? I mean, so that's great. Um, so shift gears a little bit. Can we talk about the area that you that you fish? You're in, Upstate New York, you yep. mentioned it a little bit, but uh, in your on your website, uh, it, it says the inland, uh, inland and the Great Lake tributaries in western and central upstate New York. So yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm sandwiched between again some great pieces of water. Um, I'd say that as I'm guiding um, for the lake runs, um, I tend to. Again, hit the uh, Great Lakes tributaries, um, Sandy Creek, Johnson Creek, um, Oak Orchard is out that way as well. Um, that's kind of west of me. 
Um, all along pretty much the whole 104 corridor is a lot of small tributaries. Um, some are named, some are unnamed. Yeah. And uh, it's incredible. These, these lake rod and fish will push through these small little streams. They're big. And, uh, and it's incredible. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, you just, it's a nail biter. You hook up with these fish and, and they got so much cover and yeah. rubbish to run into. And um, so, um, but I'd say as far as the lake run, um, most of my, you know, most of my trips are down on Sandy Creek and, um, okay. and then, you know, I can go east. Um, you know, we got Salmon River, of course. And, um, but that can be pretty much like a zoo, you know? Yeah. But, uh, um, what's, yeah. What's the, um, if somebody wants to come out and fish the Finger Lakes or the Great Lake tributaries, um, What's the best, where are they coming into? Are they flying into, are they at New York or Buffalo or what's the best place to get to where you're, where you're at? If, if I was planning a trip to come fish your, your waters. Yeah, I, I probably Rochester, probably Rochester would be a great place. Um, Rochester. Okay. Yeah. There's, um, you know, from that point, you do have a lot of trips that are, that are drivable. Um, you got Cataragas, um, you know, everything is kind of within, a less than an hour and a half hour and 40 oh, wow. minutes yeah that's really um, good it's we're you know um yeah rochester is kind of right in the pen um when it comes to inland fishing um i really like to push more towards central new york so i like the syracuse area the okay. streams out that way um in rochester uh awaka you know at one point it was really considered a blue ribbon fishery and um you know, some things have happened environmentally and the bug life isn't as prominent as I believe it once was, right. but, uh, our, our TU chapter has been rocking and they did some yeah. great restoration, some great That's habitat great. building. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I think it's a similar thing. Uh, you know, my, my family's from uh, the Washington, Washington state, west of the Cascades and a similar kind of thing where you, you, you get the idea and with restoration projects that are exist, there's, there's just, it's not the same West slope fly fishing that it probably was or could be. Um, so it's good to know that people are to working on that, but there's still good fishing out there too, I guess, but it's yeah. not the same, I think, as it probably was. So I always hear about the Catskills. Is that yeah. down by Syracuse? Is that, are those part of your neck of the woods or is that not it? Well, I have been making it my part of the week of the woods. <laughs> Do the drive for that yeah, one? Yeah, you don't you don't have to twist my arm too hard. It's uh so from where I'm at, it's it's a three hour stint. Um, okay. To so basically from where I'm at in western New York, I do have to cut across ninety and then go straight down. So it's about three hours. Okay. Um but this summer, really over the past several months, um, it has been the only game in town just because it's been dry up here. Really? And it's been hot. All these local, all these area trips, um, you know, they've been, they've been, you know, starting at 68, 70 in the morning. And yeah. so, so we're just not fishing them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, West and Branch. Can you, yeah. Can you talk about why, why that is for people that don't know? Yeah. So, you know, the, the trout, I mean, first of all, trout, they're, you know, they're just, um, they're a precious commodity. 
You know, yeah. we, when you take a inventory of all the waterways we have in our in our regions, um, cold water streams are really are, are few in number. And with that, you have um, you know the challenges of development and pollution and all that. So that puts a, a challenge on on the cold water fisheries. So you know, catch and release. I mean, I I uh, I'm not afraid to 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 whack a fish every now and then and put it sure. on the table. Yeah. But I come to discover that you know I just I I get excited when I see native fish, you know, wild fish. Um, you know, just thriving in our area. And I want to do everything I can to protect them. So, you know, what we discover is that um, these cold water fish, when when they start to get in that um, 68, uh, 67, 68, definitely 70 degrees uh, water temperature, uh, it's really difficult for them to get the dissolved oxygen that they need. So you can catch a fish, um, that you can play them, you can release them, but the problem is it it because they're they're already a layer of stress because of the water temperature. You might not see it, but but the good chances they'll die. Right. So you know um, a lot. I think it's I think it's wise conservation um, right. to uh, just you know during those times. That's when we uh, you got to go somewhere where it's cold, or you you go after the warm water species. You know. So it's colder over there in the Catskills? It is. Well, the reason why, so um, you have uh, the option is uh, to look for tailwaters. And Got so, it. you know, you have freestones and you have tailwaters. And what constitutes a tailwater is either a lake or a reservoir. And, um, and the stream flows from that larger body source. And a true tailwater, they actually pull the flow um, or it flows from the bottom of that lake or reservoir. So you have real consistent cold temperature. Right. So for instance, here, you know, uh, I did get out this morning. I fished a, a, lo- a local stream and, uh, and it was up at the head. So it was encouraging. It was 66 degrees. So, you know, it's like I wouldn't fish it in the afternoon, but this morning I felt good to go out and just throw right. a few dries. But uh, you go down the West Branch and uh, you get up in the upper, the, the, you know, the upper West Branch and you're starting the morning with 48 degrees and wow. you're finishing at maybe by 52. Yeah. And so you get a beautiful, real consistent bug hatch and the fish are strong and lively. And right. so, yeah, so um, I have, uh, I have, you know, there's the Catskills are beautiful and um and it's always fun to to be in different waters but yeah so I've I've spent a lot more time out there this summer does it get crowded out there yeah yeah the because the heat is um you know there's you got this great confluence of you got the, the main stem Delaware you have the west branch you have the East Branch, then you have the Beaver Kill and the Willowemic, and um, and then there's other just smaller tributaries that all feed into yeah. it. It's a lot but, of uh, water out there. Yeah, but the Upper West Branch up by Deposit, that's that's we've had a um, a real consistent uh, sulfur hatch for the past two months, and it's been like clockwork, and uh, it's been exciting. You know, you can get down there and you're getting a hatch at at twelve o'clock. You know, you get a yeah. hatch at six o'clock. And of course, there's always, you know, those disappointments when you don't get that, but. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it's been very, right now it's congested. Um, 
I do have a trip planned on Thursday to go down and, uh, and, but it's getting cooler and a lot of the other, um, systems are opening up getting, yeah. you know, so I'm expecting that's going to be a little, little less crowded. What is a lake run trout exactly? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Is, what makes it lake run and they're trout. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. so what you have is, um, so for instance, we have browns and, and rainbows and, and we tend to call the rainbow steelhead, but they're really lake run rainbows. Okay. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you have two major species, you have the browns and the rainbows and, uh, home for them is the lake. It is, uh, typically Lake Ontario, Lake Erie, um, the great lakes. And, um, and also south of me, um, the same thing happens in the Finger Lakes. So, for instance, Canandaigua Lake, Cayuga Lake. And uh, so the trout basically live in big bodies of water. And their food source is enormous. And they just put on mass. And then what happens is when they get to their, uh, you know, their uh, sexual maturity and they start to do their spawn run, they will hit the stream. And so what you get is these fish, these browns that have huge shoulders, you know, that will be 26, 32, you know, to keep going. And, um, and, and they'll, you know, they'll start to make like the browns will start to make their, their progression in, 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 um, October. And, uh, sometimes they'll exit in a couple of weeks after their spawn. Um, a lot of times they'll stick around. And they'll right. stay right there till the spring. And, uh, and that's the lake run scene and it's exciting. Yeah. That, that explains a little bit of, I see these pictures from up in New York where people catch in like, how is that a trout? I mean, yeah. it looks like salmon or, yeah. um, but it's a similar thing with a salmon run where they're out in the ocean, Yeah, you know, and then they come back up into the streams for spawning and stuff, but it's just in lakes, not not the ocean, I guess. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's the Chinook. Um, we get we do a salmon run too. That's that's about to start here soon. We get the we got a really heavy population of Chinook and some coho. And uh, they start they start at first and then the browns chase them to get their eggs and then the okay. you know, and the steelhead chase them and it's great. So you get a lot of different species of cold water fish mm-hmm. there. The, yeah. The trout yeah. and the salmon. Yep. Um I don't want to talk about it too long, but it's fascinating to me. So I just have a couple more questions on, on this, but, um, when it gets hot like that, you say you kind of stay away from the smaller streams. Do they dry up or do they just get too hot? And do the, do the fish just chill in the lake then they don't come out or they, they do. And you just, you know, it's too hot to, to fish them, but they have to come out to spawn. So they're going to, they're going to mechanically do that because their DNA yeah, well, what that 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 question can be answered um, two different ways depending on if they're lake run or residential. You know, so the residents, you know, the natives, they they were born in the stream; they'll just stay in the stream, and uh, and they'll survive. You know, they'll survive in there, but uh, they're they're not going to be very motivated to feed. Um, they'll anchor down, yeah. and uh, they'll they'll survive. Um, the lake runs though. What they do is they, um, you know, in the spring when they start to sense the water temperature drop and the, or the water temperature elevate and uh, the water levels drop, um, I think they innately just start to make their way back to the river or the, excuse me, the lake. 
to go back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And um, do you, is it mostly all wade fishing, or do you ever take a drift boat down those streams? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, um, these streams, I, I mostly just walk and wade. And yeah. uh, oh, but I am going to get a boat. Uh, <laughs> so going, it's possible. Yeah, just going down the west branch. There's just you know so much water to cover. And it just looks so delicious. Um, yeah, I do have I do have a small boat that um, that I've been tooling up. Um, you know, it's just a six, six, 16 foot uh, aluminum yeah fish boat, and um, and my goal is is to try to get into the bays when the salmon and the steelhead start to uh, when they're staging. You know, when we're waiting for that rain to come for them to release, I like to do some still water in there. And uh, okay. same thing in the lakes. Like, um, uh, I love, I mean, I, I spend most of my time in the Great Lakes tributaries, but the most beautiful fish are out of the Finger Lakes. And, okay. um, for instance, in one of the lakes I like to hit in the tributaries there, um, they don't stock. They're all, they're all wild rainbows. Wow. And uh, they're steelhead-like. I mean, they're, they're the size yeah. of the steelhead, and they do their spawn run. But... If, uh, if weather plays out where like this year, uh, spring seemed like it came really early and, um, it got really warm too quick and they do have seasons for the, um, uh, fishing seasons for the Finger Lakes. So April 1st is our opening season for the Finger Lakes. Um, you can go in there in the stream and they've already done their spawn run. They've come and gone and you miss them. they try and regulate that so you don't have to worry as much about spawning and, yeah. and disrupting that. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a time of year when you can't fish. It's you have a season. You do for the finger lakes. For for okay. the um uh for the Great Lakes though, it's it's an all year. You okay. can you can fish all year. And okay. and absolutely, you know, the 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 ethical thing to do is is um, you know, not to target them while they're uh Right. You know, while they're doing their, their spawn. Um, last question on, on this kind of thing, but is it, are you using trout type flies or more like salmon type flies? Is it, is it the, an attractor kind of, you trying to make them angry and just get them to take it like Alaska type stuff, or is it n- normal dries and nymphs and things like that? Or both? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say my, my, my greatest, um, I, I think, how I've improved the most as an angler has been really gleaning from the competition nymphing community. And, um, and so, you know, when I first began, everything was like a dry dropper. I was doing a lot of searching. Um, I've definitely learned how to read the water a little bit better, but um, when I started uh, using, you know, well-weighted nymphs and, um, and using more of a Euro nymphing tight line system, um, I started to have a lot more success. And when it comes to the lake run fish, um, man, my, my fly box, I show you my fly box and, uh, it is so simple. I really have just a few confidence flies. And, um, when it comes to lake run fish, I feel like they are a little bit more opportunistic and, um, and, but, uh, when it comes to the inland fishing though, um, man, I, I do change flies a lot and I mean, it'd be a lot of small little bugs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I do want to answer your question. I don't know if I did yet. It's, uh, for the, for, um, for the 
lake run stuff, um, egg patterns, uh, okay. woolly buggers, yeah, bunny leeches. I've done yeah. really well with swinging bunny leeches for the salmon and for the lake runs. Um, and uh, on occasion, uh, well, some mop flies and uh, yeah. on occasion, a stone fly. Um, for the salmon, it seems like the the uh, stone fly and um, and the bunny leeches do really well. Interesting. Um, I'll uh, if I see them and or I see really good pocket water, I'll uh, a euro nymph them, and yeah. um, and then you know when I'm swinging, I'll uh, I tend to use more of a you know a a leech like pattern. Okay. Well, that's really uh, really helpful. Yeah. Cool. Ready to change topics? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about um, some of your philosophy and some of the other things that you have going on. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about some of the the youth uh, camps that you're a part of and and how that ties into fly fishing in your area? Yeah, you know we're um, you know I love spending time with with students, and um, I think it's mostly because you know I look back in my life and. I remember going through my teen years and just having some strain with my, with my dad, with my folks. And, you know, there was the guy up street, you know, who was, who, who was that, uh, that stability for me, you know? And, yeah. and so I love being that big brother to these guys, um, where I live, you know, we, you know, we're pretty close to the city, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm in a suburb, but, uh, really a lot of the kids around here are just country kids and uh, they love to hunt and fish. And um, so to get them out and um, you know, and uh, just get them out and enjoy creation is like, it's just awesome. You know, especially, you know, a lot of the kids have phones in their hands all the time and, right. and uh, just to get them good to get them unplugged and, yeah, you know, put them out there. So sure. um, yeah, it's um it's great. I have, uh, I have a handful of young guys and gals that, um, you know, almost nag me to, to take them out, you know, and, and get them out in the water. And, uh, so, so with that, I started doing some, you know, just some Friday night programs where we'll, uh, we'll get out and hit one of the local streams and, and teach the kids how to cast and, and, um, and it's just amazing, just fun stuff. How many kids you got out there at one time? Usually, that sounds like it could be uh, yeah, yeah, actually uh, challenging. Yeah. I've had about trip. sixteen or seventeen at one point. Oh and, wow! Uh, All by yourself? No, no, no. I had I definitely had great helpers. I had uh, I probably okay. had about five other four other four or five other guys. Yeah. Uh, to um, okay to, to help. In fact, <clears throat> that's great. Kind of the, my my heart is I'd like to be able to. Well, uh, I had things in motion. There's a there's a um, like a retreat center that, um, that I had booked and there's a, a, a stream that's only like five minutes from it. Right. And, um, and I wanted to launch a, uh, you know, a youth trout camp, kind of like an overnight residential camp and, uh, tap on a lot of our area guys and, um, uh, then just kind like of a like, one-time thing or like a, like a kind of a semi-permanent type yeah, of thing. Yeah. I would love to, yeah, I'd yeah. love to, I, I, I've been, um, That's I've cool. been fortunate to, to pilot a lot of, um, uh, youth sports programs. And so I love athletics and, okay. uh, and I've had the privilege of, um, pioneering programs. I actually, I just, um, 
um, I just came off of a motocross camp. Um, I've been a dean of a motocross camp for the past six years. And uh, so I love athletics. I, I just I love the disciplines and the learning aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of consider fly fishing really very similar to that. And um, so now I'd like to I'd like to kind of kick off a camp and, and let it build and grow. And, you know, on the on the water with that, though, the vision is I, I like almost like uh, uh, like a mentor with every student, you know, like a one on one kind right. of. And almost like how they do in the, the Euro Niffing, the competition um, beats or circuits, um, almost take a piece of water, break it down to, say, eight sections. Say I've had, right. I have eight students, I have eight mentors, and, and they're going to work that section with that one guy, and then we just rotate. You know? And learn, yeah, and, the, yeah. And kind of figure that how to read this section of water and rotate. Now, this see this section's different. Like this is what we got to do here. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and uh, you know it's great because um, you know when the kids first start off, you know they'll you know they're they're sloppy with the way they handle the fish and and um, and stuff like that. So it's great to be able to you know already you start to gain their respect right. um, because you're giving them time. So then when you kind of start to say, Hey guys, look, uh, you need to consider, um, you know, how you're handling this fish, or maybe, maybe you don't go after this fish or, you know, it's time to clip your barbs off your hooks or, you know, just, um, you know, teach some conservation. Um, I love that. What, that was one of my questions I was going to ask you is what, what types of fishing etiquette, fly fishing etiquette do you, you mentioned a few of those, um, are there other things that you that you try to instill early uh, that w- would be useful for people to to know starting out? Well, yeah, you know, like I mentioned before, I love the solitude aspect of it, and I do I do really like the the social aspect of of getting out as well. Yeah. But um, you know, it's interesting. I'll I'll go to one of the creeks down in the southern tier, and there'll be a bunch of young guys. Um, I'll have a I'll be working a pool with my fly rod. And I might get five or three or four young kids come up and they just plop right next to me and start fishing. Right. And they don't, they don't know better, you know, and they, they're not, you know, they're not trying to encroach my space and that. They just kind of don't know better. Right. And, um, and so um, I love, I love, you know, going into a spot and, you know, and just kind of say, Hey guys, here's, you know, we, I know this spot is awesome, but, but they were here first. And we're going to prefer them. And, and, you know, and, and it's just kind of, yeah. uh, you know, I, I find that even on the West branch, um, I had a client that I took down there a couple of weeks ago and, and, oh, I, I, I had it all, you know, you, you got your game plan, right? So you get out sure. there and, and, and we were there early and we were going to nymph it for a while, hopefully waiting for the hatch to come. And, and sure enough, you know, the guy's right in the sweet spot. And, um, but you know what, you just, you just kind of throttle back and you give them a space and, and, um, it always works out, you know, I'm so glad that you said that you don't know what you don't know, especially starting <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. And I always try to remember and have empathy for people because they don't know. And I think that a lot of people want to do the right thing, but they might just not know to, wet your hands before you handle a a, a fish or, you know, like you said, give some people, give people some space because not everybody grew up in the woods with 
a parent or somebody kind of teaching them about that, especially, you know, especially now. So yeah, that's really good. Or yeah. like picking up trash, you know, yep. I mean, it's just yep. something that I know I do, you know, I just do it. And, and now I, I teach my son like, Oh, we're just going to grab this and take it out. And people wouldn't do it. They wouldn't know. But the, I think the more that people are in the sport, the more they see it, the more they learn, you know? So yeah. I hate, I would hate to have somebody not know or not learn because they're afraid of asking the question and feeling small or like, you know, that type of thing. So I think it's great to teach that type of thing to, to young people. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. If there was other things like that, that you, that you do. And I think that's a great way to, to, to teach everybody. And it leaves, it leaves it selfishly. It leaves things better for us. Right. (laughs) It sure does. (laughs) I mean, I always say that too. Like I have some selfish reasons for catch and release as well. Like I, I, I wouldn't, you know, and, and there's just the populations are growing and the, the streams are just so big, yeah. you know, yeah. and you see it all over the country where there's starting to be regulations on how many boats you can put down the Madison river or something like that, where yeah. initially you might think, well, that's not really cool. I mean, this is America, but at the same time, you also want to have a nice experience as well. So I think there's a, a balance there of, of, of having the space and, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I tell you, Jason, one of the things that I think I'm discovering as far as having more success with hooking up with fish on the water, I think the biggest challenge we have is, is other anglers, you know? And so you yeah. might have in your mindset that, oh man, that's a good run. That's a good hole. And there's other guys there and there's people walking through it. Right. But I find that, you know, I just, prefer them, move on, give them the space. And I go find water where no one's at. It may not be my first or second or third pick, but there's fish there, you know? Right. And And that's going to make you better too. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're challenging yourself and growing and things like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like one of the reasons it's important to get young people out on the river. Like you're saying just to, even if it's just one time, it gives them another tool in their tool set, you know, where they might not want to fly fish every day right now, but sometime in their life where they go through some hard times that they can maybe go back to that. And they, they just have that in the back of their brain. Like I have this tool to help me cope kind of thing. Is there other things that you hope to, to give these kids when you're taking them out besides, besides that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you're right on there. Um, yeah. The other thing is, you know, sometimes we all go through seasons and some of us is longer seasons, but you know, life sometimes is a grind, right? And, um, you know, there might be seasons where we love our job and there's seasons where we don't. And, um, I tell you, it's always, it's always, um, you know, our desire is to escape, right. When we're, when we're struggling or working through something and, um, and, you know, but really having something to look forward to when you're going through the grind, you know, when you're right. going through a difficult season and, um, and for, you know, I, what, what the kids are discovering is, 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 uh, is that it's, it's, it's just something to look forward to. 
um, you know, something to, you know, um, to be, to challenge themselves with, become better at and something different, different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's great. You talked a little bit about the different sections with kids fishing different sections. And you, you mentioned this on your website, how you, I, I love on your website, how you emphasize we're going to teach, we're teaching. Yeah. You come guide with trout it out and you're going to learn. And I think that's so important. I, I, I would love to see more of that. I love it. But um, you talk about covering water methodically. Can you, can you, can you, or can you t- elaborate on that a little bit about sure. how when you're fishing a stream like that, and I don't know if it depends on whether it's lake run or, um, you know, some of the smaller streams or if it depends, but what's your game plan to metho- quote methodically, uh, fish a piece of water? Yeah, that's great. So with exception to, you know, the cat skills, um, we tend not to get a lot of hatches, a lot of, you know, a lot of surfacing fish. And so you're not sight fishing, you're really looking at structure. And again, I think the thing that I've learned the most is from that the competition angling community. And what they'll do is in these competitions, they're, you know, they're, they're given a stretch of water over a certain period of time. And the goal is, is to cover the water and try to extract as many fish as possible. So what they're doing is they're going in and covering the water, quartering it methodically, you know, just, you know, hitting a drift, running it through, extending out another, you know, redoubling it, keep going, keep going. And, um, and so I've learned a lot from, from that competition community. So when it comes to the steelheading or the lake runs, um, you know, I discovered that I don't need to, that same concept is perfectly applicable. And Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is going through and just kind of quartering the water, working it. Um, What do you uh, mean when you say quartering the water? Yeah. So, um, so with your own nymphing, okay, what you're typically doing is you're, you're, um, you're keeping a, uh, you have well-weighted flies or you know, when we're doing the lake run, we're actually only allowed to have one fly. Okay. So you can't have multiple flies. So for instance, I'll have a well-weighted like egg, okay, egg pattern, and then I'll have some shot. And, um, and then above that, I'll have a, um, a a piece of, of, uh, cider material, which will be like, um, maybe a 15 pound, um, you know, sunset or amnesia. And, and then, um, basically my leader tends to be very, um, um, it's not necessarily tapered. There's initial taper in the butt section, but, um, the idea of the Euronymphine is, is you are casting your, your, uh, nymphs out and you're letting it drift, uh, dead drift. Okay. And you're keeping your cider, um, at the same speed as your nymphs are drifting. And as soon as you see that cider, that initial sag tighten up, or you feel that take, you set the hook. And so that's how the, the, uh, the Euro nymphine or the competitive fly fishing community tackles, uh, tackles, you know, the subsurface game. And, um, 
so what I'll do is I'll go in and uh, in Euro Nymph, um, even for the big fish, I'll do it with salmon, I'll do it with steelhead and lake run browns. But yeah. but it's not always the best attack. Um, sometimes you get in and there's a big sweeping, you know, a big sweeping ledge or a pool that is just really not weightable yeah. or, you know, it's not attainable. So that's a great time to throw on an indicator. Um, but what I like to do is, is I really like to try to challenge and encourage my clients when they go in to, to feel confident that they, uh, they fish that hole or that section every which way they could. So I love to, to mule in a couple different rods, um, have them. Okay. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, you know, how do you and, handle switching then? Yeah. I, I, I certainly every now and then, when I'm by myself, I'll, I'll, um, I'll try to find that one rod that will do everything. And it, it, it's, it's kind of like a hybrid bike. It's it kind of part of the, the challenge. Yeah. Like I'm going in with one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Better not break it. it. It never works. So you do have to bring in a couple, but, um, but yeah, you know, what I'd love to do is I'd love to encourage uh, clients to get out or students to get out and, uh, you know, start to quarter the water um, and, and nymph it. And then, you know, when it doesn't, uh, you know, when they feel like they've caught what they could, or it just doesn't seem like it's hooking up, then to throw an indicator on and run it again. Um, and then to turn around at the head of the pool and then swing it, you know, and then throw a streamer. And so, um, you know, not that you have to have a lot of flies, but you can have a few good different confidence flies. And, and it's just really satisfying to go in. And especially after, you know, you've had, you watch some guys work a pool and right. then they move on and, you know, and, and they haven't caught anything or they've, you know, and then you go in and then, and you catch some catch fish out of that same pool. You just had to mix up your, your right. pack. There's something to be said for persistence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also sometimes... I, I run into this problem where I take it to the the, the extreme and I won't move on. And it might be like, this is just not a good, you know, these yeah. fish maybe just aren't feeding as much and I'll go 50 yards upstream and fish a similar piece of water, a similar ledge or a similar uh, eddy or something and I'll catch a fish that yeah. looks yeah. like he's in the exact same spot. Yeah, But uh, I definitely, I, I, I just, as part of that, challenge of fly fishing that i enjoy is like well maybe if i try this or maybe if i do this yeah. maybe i'll get him especially when i'm sight fishing because then yeah. then i know he's there i yeah. got him in my sights you know so that makes it harder for me to move on <laughs> yeah I, I they uh when when i first started stream fishing and again i when i saw that guy and he was crushing it yeah. um he oh yeah he brought he, that up he me. was uh i said i go how are you doing that you know and he said he said, man, fishing's trout stream fishing is like real estate location, location, location. You just, <laughs> you just gotta like move, man. You just gotta move. You cast right. if they're not connected, move. So that was totally my approach when I, when I first began and right. I would fish with guys. I'm like, dude, come on. You're just like rooting out here. There's no fish. Let's move on. <laughs> but, but yeah. then as I started to fish with guys that, with this competitive pedigree, and they go through, I'll fish a piece of water and I'll catch like three fish. And then they come through and fish that same piece of water after I fished it and, you know, clouded it up and spooked right. everything. And they'll pull out like 20 fish. And wow. then I've seen other guys come in and they'll come out and they'll pull out another 20 out of that same hole. So it's, it's, uh, um, so 
that has challenged me because I typically will like throw and run, you know, I, I typically like to move and, yeah. and not stick around, but, um, and but, it's whatever you like too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You bet. Maybe, maybe you like moving or maybe being mobile on the river is part of the enjoyment for you. You got it. And you can, you can catch fish that way, or you can catch fish being static as well. And, you know, some people aren't as mobile anyway, you know, yeah, so maybe yeah. they, yeah. maybe they just hang homestead, but it's good to know that you can catch fish either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reality of it is that with, uh, with the lake run scene, it can get pretty congested. And, um, so it'd be ideal, you know, yeah. it'd be ideal to go in and say, yeah, I'm going to hit like six miles of water. But right. you get there and you're stonewalled. You know, you don't want to high hole someone or low hole them. So you're like, so you're necessity dictates. I need to figure this out. Yeah. So, so, uh, so it, it is good to be able to say, you know what? I can swing. I can nymph. I can throw an indicator. You know, I can I can walk away confidently of saying, you know what? I did everything I could to, to right. try to extract something. And you mentioned some techniques that you have for expediting that process a little bit, carrying in. Uh, another rod potentially yeah um and being methodical about fishing closer in and then further out you know so as not spook the fish and things like that yeah Uh, when do do you do you do you treat flies that way too do you switch your flies as often or is it more i've 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 started to be a believer in the fly is important but a really good presentation with not the best fly, you know, is you can have a, the the fly that they're eating and it's terrible presentation. And unless you're way up in the Rocky mountain lakes or something, they're just not going to, they're not going to take it. So do you have a similar approach with that? Or you stick with kind of you, like you say, my confidence flies or the things that, you know, Hey man, if, if these flies work, so if it's not this, then it's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's it, it seems like the presentation. Um, I, I I would say though, I'm I. It seems like I am discovering. So when when I start to when I'm in this lifestyle fishing where I'm like going out every morning, and especially as I lose daylight, and it turns out to be that I'm doing an hour of driving in the morning, but I only get a half an hour of fishing. Um, so I, I pick a location that's relatively close, and I'm working this one piece of water for a couple weeks and I, okay. and I'll actually just take one stretch. Right. Um, yeah, there's times where I will, I will definitely see uh, a change in color and all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, right. like For I sure. might, I might run a, you know, a pink and a cheese, Oregon cheese egg pattern. And then as soon as I go chartreuse, it's like, there's a monster Brown that is so aggressive on it. Right. Um, but, uh, but as a whole though, I do think it's, I agree. It's, it's more about the presentation, um, except in the dry fly game, I feel like, you know, they get so selective what I'm experiencing down the West branch. It's like, you know, they're taking, you know, they want to take, uh, 18s and 20 emergers. Uh, You you gotta give, you gotta give it to them. Sure. Um, I mean, it's so frustrating. Yeah starting out i remember hey there's a hatch and the, there's bugs flying all around and if you're not if you don't have an emerger game you might just be out of luck yeah. they're not going to come to the surface and yeah i think a lot of beginners don't i i certainly didn't it took me longer than i'm probably happy to admit that the emerger is such a good 
fly and the dry fish fly fishing is that what you see or i don't yeah, know yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely i'd say a, a, a couple things that have helped me out with that because you know my i'm getting older my eyes are you know it's getting harder and harder i get when i tie on stuff i gotta put on glasses and yeah um you know a few things that that uh, really help with that is you know run a, a dry dry you know run your emerger as a dropper off you're done yeah. Um, you know, if you're, if you got a sulfur, that's a 14 that you can see and, or a 16 and, um, but you know, there's no way you can see a, a blue wing right. olive. That's an 18, you know, run that dropper off of that. And, uh, yeah. you'll see, you'll see the, you know, kind of the, the splash or the, the swallow and you set the right. hook. Especially um, if you don't have a huge tag on the end on the, yeah. you know, just yeah. six, nine inches and it's really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, um, you said well weighted a few times. Are you yeah. talking about fly itself, or you're talking yeah. about weighting it down with split shot? Or yeah, you know, so I've I've done everything, and and so um, with a with a lake run, um, as much as I try to well weight my fly, um, I still have to assist it with split shot. It's really mm-hmm. usually pretty difficult to to um, to to get all the depth I need. So well weight, you're referring to the fly itself. Yeah, the fly itself. Well, so well like for instance, yeah. if I'm using a um an egg pattern, um, you know, and I'm tying it on a size 10 hook, um, I am using like a five thirty seconds tungsten bead, um, you know, right. something kind of big and heavy. Um, I'll even run two beads. Um, but oh, I wow. try yeah, and and um and then uh maybe about you know 10, 10 inches, twelve inches up, I'll start putting shot. Um, I watch what the, uh, I watch what the, um, center pinners do, you know, and those guys, those guys are like magicians sometimes and they extract fish. And, uh, and a lot of it is just really getting that fly down and keeping it in its drift. And, um, so if you're, if you got a, your indicator and you got your fly, it's, you're going to have drift because you got moving columns. Right. But, um, but yeah, so getting, getting that fly down, that's, uh, I think that has been a real, real, um, that's been my number one success. Um, yeah. I've been catching more fish is getting that fly down. I think, well I think so too. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so are you a believer then that it, if it's not touching the bottom once in a while, if you're not snagging up once in a while, you're not quite heavy enough or do you you really aim for that sweet spot the strike zone or the that that buffer of yeah. where the fish are, are kind of chilling yeah i try to aim for that sweet spot because i hate losing flies because i because <laughs> it costs money right you know? yeah so <laughs> and uh when i'm getting out every morning um I, I really can never stay ahead of my my flying demand so right. like before I go to bed at night, I'll like cram out like, Oh, I need five eggs. I need four of this and that. And then, then I pass out, you know, and, yeah. and then I, you know, so I lose my yield. It's, uh, That's another reason why confidence flies are good because once you know how to tie them, you can kind of yeah. make up some money where you're just like, okay, I, I, if, as long as I can tie these four flies, I can just tie a bunch of these. I feel like you lose a lot of money when you're just trying to figure out how to tie fancy flies that you might not ever use. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, fun, most, but... most of my flies that if they, they initially started with 10 steps, they've all become like five, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, I don't need, you know, like even with the mop fly, you know, when I first started yeah. doing that, I mean, how simple is that? You just, you're attaching the, the mop 
body and then some dubbing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even do dubbing anymore, you know? Right. And uh, you know, it's just, just like throw it up. Okay, run it. it yeah, it's I I truly respect the the fly tying artists out there, and they are artists. I mean, the, some of the stuff they put together is amazing. Yeah, uh, I I, I do not I do not know if I aspire to reach that level because I'm I'm so far from it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the the weight is important. I'm interested. Uh, it's interesting to hear you say you use two tungsten bead heads. I would, I think maybe I, I could try that and that might be a useful technique. Stone, stone flies are a great, great way to conceal two beads. Um, so, right. you know, when I go down the West branch, I mean, the majority of the anglers are, are waiting for the hatch. So, you know, and that's only like a couple hours in the day unless so you're searching. So, I mean, most guys, they, I'd say the trend is they'll, They'll swing streamers at a head of a pool really? and they'll wait for the hatch. Interesting. And so, you know, my approach, my teaching approach is, Hey, let's go down. Let's go early. Cause they're still feeding. They're just, you know, they're just not looking up yet. So let's go in and start Euro nymphing. And, um, but yeah, I, you know, you need to get the, the drifts down and, um, or get your flies down into that water column where they're holding. So, so, uh, yeah, uh, stone flies are a great way to to have a, a double tungsten bead, and um, you know can come, keep them relatively small, compact. So, and you said I thought I thought you said that some some streams out there, or I don't know if you said all of them, but you can't have more than one fly. Is that it's a seasonal? So, um, okay. so for instance, here in New York, um, from September first to March thirty first. Uh, we're only bound to one fly on the Lake Ontario tributaries. So that's just the Lake Ontario trips. So for instance, if I were to any point during that season, go to the West Branch or the Catskills, there's no rules on the number of flies. I could throw two or three flies, but it's okay. just a, it's just a, um, it's, you know, just because there's so much sportsman traffic coming through. Um, and you have a history of snagging and, and, you know, gaff hooking and all that stuff. So, so, you know, the DEC has made it, you know, just kind of clear guidelines. It's, it's, it's good. It's a good sporting, you know, it's, it's, it's always, um, I love it because, um, you know, through my inland all through the summer, like right now I'm running two or three flies. Okay. Usually two, I don't like running three, but sometimes I I don't usually do three, but yeah. And, um, but then all of a sudden September comes, I'm like, Oh, can I catch a fish on just one fly? Is it possible? And then yeah. yes. And it's yeah. day after day. And then, and then, you know, when the season starts and I can, you know, do two flies, I'm like, nah, you know what? It's simple. One fly. It's nice. Yes. yes. You know? It's funny that you say that because it is like, Oh my gosh, I don't, you get used to fishing two flies and it's, Oh, it's almost like a, uh, uh, you're blanky, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely more likely to catch fish with two flies than one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think it's kind of cool that you have the opportunity to you force yourself like, no, no, you know, I'm just going to do one. Yeah. I think you make up for it a little bit on time too, because I always feel like, well, if I've got two flies in the water, then I'm got twice the chance of catching a fish. But if, you know, every time I, miss a fly or every time I snag up or do some of the things you were talking about, I have to tie on two flies. Now that's extra time. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I know it's not that long to tie on a fly, but I mean, oh, it can be. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it can, can be. be when they're small or just I, you know, those days when you're just man, this knot is not yeah. coming together for me the way I want it to, or so. Yeah, you know, another angle too, Jason, that you probably experience this right when you might be throwing a dry dropper, and you know, you know, there's fish in the system. They might be rising, and you get getting no takes or you're getting refusals. As soon as you cut off that dropper, now you're getting the takes. So something's happening. You're getting drag with that dry drag. dropper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, s- some of my chums here have been encouraging me in some of the pocket water. Again, I'm like, I got to have two flies. Right. And and they're like, bring it just down to one. And, um, and you know, I'm like, oh, is that possible? And, and especially when you're in real turbulent pocket water, you're, you're throwing right. a little size, you know, 18 nymph yeah. and uh, <laughs> a little pertigone. And, but you know what, with the two flies, you're getting a lot of drift and they're pulling on each other and stuff. You get to the one, it naturally finds that, that holding spot where the fish are feeding and you get right. them. So, think- so I'm always challenging that. Sometimes you got to just go one fly. Yeah, I think I'm challenged. I, I need to challenge myself more to do that. Sometimes I think in my brain, part of the reason I'm also hesitant is I, I always think, well, this little zebra midge or this little rainbow warrior, whatever this little midge or tiny fly is that I'm fishing, it's not going to get down there without this this lead fly. I need I need the stone fly to get it down, and then it'll yeah. be in the in where the fish are. Yep, but. Um, like you said, there's other ways to do that with, um, waiting, you know, having weight or well-weighted, you can, you can weight those flies pretty well too. Yeah, absolutely. And just casting it upstream far enough to let it get down, you know, like get, give it some time to get down there for that spot. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, okay. How can people find out more about trout it out and and what you got going on steve yeah um you know i encourage people to to jump on either my instagram and uh or uh, or the website troutedout.com and um but uh you know texting the emails are fine but uh i'm a phone boy man i i'm not afraid to talk so so okay. uh I, i'd encourage anyone just wants to they, they got a question um you know um sure you know uh, I got a business going, but I, I really do this. I, I do this mostly cause I, I enjoy teaching and I yeah. love the learning aspect of it. And, um, it is satisfying when, you know, you get a guy reach out and say, Hey, you know, I've been, what do you think about this or that and stuff? And so, so, um, yeah, I encourage people, my, my, my numbers on the, on the website and, uh, feel free to give me a call or a text. Um, you start texting too much, I'll probably say, Hey, can you take a call? So, (laughs) so yeah, yeah, I I like to do it. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's troutedout.com and troutedout is the Instagram as well. Yes. Okay. And you've got phone numbers on, on those places that people can text or call Yep. and and they shouldn't be afraid to do that. No. No, I Good. welcome it. That's great. Well, we've I've certainly learned a lot. So I think, you know, I I've learned a lot just talking with you today. So I appreciate that. Um any other projects that you want to discuss or talk about before I ask my last question? 
Uh, no, you know, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. The uh, salmon season here about to start and, um, I got, uh, I got two handed rod, um, on its way. And, oh, uh, so, um, you know, I, I've done really well with nymphing the steelhead and, um, you know, and, and getting them on indicators, basically float fishing them. And, um, but I haven't had a lot of success on the swing. Um, but last year it connected last year it started to come together, both the salmon, the steelhead and the lake run Browns. So, um, and I really, I, I tend to hit a lot of smaller water. Um, and I do like that. I like the intimacy of the smaller water, but, um, but yeah, I like to keep learning and keep growing. So I am pushing out into bigger waters and, um, mm-hmm. you know, we got the, the mighty Genesee and, uh, nearby and, and even Niagara, that's not too far. So, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, some bigger tools, some bigger water. So that's, it's definitely uh, that's my fascinating. Next, that's my next venture. It's fascinating fishery. Just talking to you, like yeah. I knew there's a lot of water out there, but I didn't realize how much in such a close proximity, but that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I, my last question then for you is it, we talked a lot about, um, young people, mentorship and teaching those types of things. What advice do you have for people that are maybe uh, mentors or people on the other end that are actually have the ability to be mentors or teaching? And what, what have you found that works well for you to, to help these kids or to help your friend or somebody that wants to get into fly fishing or even somebody that's already been in fly fishing? What, what do you, what, what do you try to remember or do? Yeah. You know, I, um, I think about, you know, we, we all, we all learn a little different. We all, um, like to be instructed a little different. Um, I tend not to overcoach. Uh, I, I definitely like to, um, put myself in a spot where, oh, I, I'm, I'm ready to give counsel or advice, but, um, but kind of just kind of reading people and just, um, you know, giving them some space to make mistakes and to grow. You know, um, when I, when I, when I take a client out, you know, if I have like a, a water and a B water, I usually won't go out right into the A water. I'll take them into the B and, you know, we, you know, you're, you're with someone new, you're, you know, even I, I'll, you know, I feel like I got to perform. Um, and a lot of times I I do, I really, I like to actually fish when I guide, uh, I don't like to sit out there and, and, um, and, and just sit on the bank and, and stare you down, you know, I like to, I like to <laughs> get out there and fish, man, you know? So, yeah. So, um, but I think, I think yeah. just really just, uh, just be patient with yourself and, and with the people you're with. Patience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just being patient. Don't, don't overcoach. Don't figure it out. And, okay. uh, you know, well, that's great advice. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for being on the podcast, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate uh, all you're doing. And uh, it's been a real privilege to be on here with you today. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wade Out There.